You're listening to Payments Innovation, a podcast dedicated to helping business leaders navigate today's global digital economy. Looking to learn about the latest innovations within fintech and payments? You've come to the right place. Let's get into the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Payments Innovation Podcast. This is your host, Alex Barr. And this week, I'm joined by Mary Abbasanwa, um, FinTech Growth Lead at Seckle. Mary, how are you? I'm great, Alex. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Not at all. Thanks for joining us. Um, Mary, for our listeners, please tell us a little bit about you. Tell us a little bit about Seckle and what you do there. Sure. Um, so great to be on the podcast. Um, my name is Mary, as you said, super passionate about how technology is transforming and democratizing the financial services industry and supporting millennials to achieve their full potential. Um, I started my career in management consulting, so spent a couple of years um, in management consulting, working predominantly with banks and fintechs, um, looking to do kind of business model change um, and running a B2B fintech accelerator, which is really fun. Um, and now I work at Seckle. Um, we call ourselves the home of UK Wealthtech. We are a technology provider and custodian. Um, supporting leading fintechs that want to launch investment propositions, investment apps, um, and driving that uh, vision of financial inclusion when it comes to accessing investments. Um, As you said, I'm the fintech growth lead, which is basically focused on helping us expand our portfolio of fintech clients and turbocharging our company's growth. Very concise. I like it. Um, (laughs) Mary, I'm interested. Management consultancy to start with. And now you're obviously in a much more exciting industry, of course. Um, how did you how did you get into fintech? Great question. I think um, consulting for me was great. It was a great way to understand businesses and how they make decisions, and particularly working in the big four. I was working with like leading businesses, mostly in the UK, but also spent some time in Germany and South Africa as well. Um, But I could definitely see when I was working with banks on digital transformation projects, more and more often people are talking about fintech, they're talking about digital transformation, they're talking about the use of technology and financial services and how this would shape the industry. So Mm. I just started doing my own research um, and I was lucky enough to do a a kind of a secondment to uh, fintech at the time, which was really exciting, um, which gave me a good insight into what is fintech beyond kind of table tennis and jeans in their office um and it was really fun and is there any more to it than that though I'm sure that's there it. is, no, I'm, is there? <laughs> I'm surprised but there is and yeah. um it feels really good to be working I guess at the frontier of innovation in an industry where people are excited they're passionate they're basically taking an industry and spinning it on its head they're rethinking the way that things have been done mm. rethinking who has access to certain products and services Um, And that's what I love about being in the industry. It's always about disrupting, innovating, challenging the ways that things are being done. Far more exciting than management consultancy. (laughs) Um, So in a a similar way to Currency Cloud, um, Seckle creates technology, enables other businesses to support their end customers. Um, For our listeners, explain a a little bit more. So how how is Seckle helping... uh, fintechs financial institutions launch new investment products yep sure so 
Seco, uh, we think of ourselves as a company that provides investing as a service. So mm. we are an API-led digital custodian. We help people launch investment apps or propositions. So by connecting to our API and designing your app and your um, user journey and story, you are able to launch an investment app in 90 days, is usually what I like to say on my calls. Um, <laughs> And that's really cool because it means that we take care of the kind of backend technology, the custody, the trading, the execution right. of delivering an investment product or investment solution. And instead you can focus on who am I targeting? What is the story I want to tell? Um, what does that particular demographic need in terms of a offering? And how can I work on kind of democratizing the space rather than the kind of um technical bits um which i can leave in the secure hands of Seco, who've worked really hard to build best in class technology in this space i think i, I want to pick on a word that you just said there, democratize i think that's a really important word um i think i know the answer ready already to the question i'm about to ask you um but <laughs> i think you and i are going to share the same opinion but i'm interested on how you see the role then of technology um embedded finance being able to democratize what has been a the investment space which i think is a traditionally maybe seen as a little bit crusty you know from the outside in how how, how do you see technology um democratizing wealth management yes uh it's a funny one because democratizing is definitely become a buzzword across financial services um i see it on almost that an, every that, that an embedded finance it's got too much isn't it it has, but I still like to use it because I really think it is what we're doing. Yeah. Um, the fact is, is that there's over £800 billion yet to be unlocked in retail wealth management. Wow, uh, that's a huge only, number. Yeah, crazy number. Only 12% of UK adults currently invest um, using an investing app. So there is so much more like white space in terms of teaching people about investing um, beyond cryptocurrency <laughs> and um, educating them at the same time. And I really think that at Seco, that's what we're trying to do. And by being an API-led uh, custodian and technology provider, um, people can embed our technology into their existing fintech app, whether they are um, focusing on investments as a wealth tech or they're a neobank or maybe now we're even speaking to like credit card companies or um, credit checking companies, thinking mm. about how do you bring a holistic financial journey together? Because when you're thinking about financial wellness, yes, you're thinking about your credit score. Yes, you might be thinking about where your savings are, but you're also thinking about, especially in this high inflation environment, where is my money going? Like mm. how can I make more for my money? Um, and actually I'm seeing like, anecdotally in my friendship group and people I speak to, but also with the businesses that I speak to on a daily basis, people are blurring the lines between saving and investing and those parts need to come together. Mm. You, you mentioned a few different types of organisations that you, you know, you might work with um, across, you know, the financial space. Your your your, your customer base itself at Secular, it, does it, it's, it, 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 I assume it's not just wealth management applications like you mentioned neobanks as well are you seeing that are you seeing more and more people launch in embedded investment products yes we are and i think it's because it comes down to distribution right because yeah. um it i think that investment apps are doing great to create an environment where people can execute and invest but actually for a lot of people 
they might want to learn and then invest they might yep. want to invest in the same place they do their banking they might want to um invest in the same place that they check their credit score mm. i think it's aligning <clears throat> certain parts of the financial journey together to make it easier for the customer and that to me is really what's going to drive financial inclusion um mm. and the api technology the embedded investments behind that um i always talk about this dream case scenario that um imagine if every time you bought something off amazon your purchase could be rounded up and x percent of your purchase could be used to buy amazon shares like to me that's embedded investments that is driving using investments as a way to drive customer loyalty and engagement because if that customer is spending so much on amazon anyway surely they want to be part of the journey of the business they want to accrue shares they want to um be more committed and studies have shown that when you do use investments as a way as like a lever um to drive in, um customer engagement it means that the customer comes back it means that they're invested in the company's vision and what they do as well it's funny you should say the dream scenario that there are actually a few companies that i've spoken to recently that are doing that exact thing um Love it. which is yeah i, I think it's, it's the pinnacle isn't it so i um i think the wealth management wealth well, wealth tech space has made some obviously some huge strides uh in this last couple of years and we've seen that for the amount of investment that's been put into it from the from venture capital um what do you think that then because you, you've got quite a you see it from quite a unique angle right um what do you think the wealth tech industry can do to be even better than where it is today? Fabulous question. Um, I think the key things are around access that we've alluded to already. Yeah. Um, who has access to certain products and services? Who even knows about certain products and services? Um, own, I have all these stats in my back pocket. <laughs> yeah, Only that, 15... that, that, that 12% statistic shocked me earlier, actually. I it that... is quite shocking, especially for us that work in this space. We yeah. always think it's way more. I always think it's way higher. Yeah, of course. Exactly. I always think there's going to be a day where there aren't any more wealth tech founders for me to speak to, but it doesn't look like it's running out anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> And I guess another crazy stat that I have is only 15% of UK adults have a stocks and shares ISA. Um, so there is, there's so much space for people to learn more about these products and learn how they can work for them as well. Only 3% of UK adults receive financial advice. Mm. And traditionally, financial advice has been something for high net worth individuals, for individuals that have loads of money, maybe in their savings or in their investments, they might... Mm be part of a family office or something um but actually democratizing that and recognizing uh, for a lot of people they don't actually need financial advice around how to manage their estate it's actually just i have let's say 10k thousand ten thousand pounds in savings how can i best utilize this or how can i make sure that this savings aligns to my financial goals and if i want to get married or if i want to save for having a children or buy a bigger house uh, where's the best place for me to put my money so mm. i'm excited about these propositions that are um, not only addressing access to investments but also thinking about the financial guidance that their customers might need um helping them understand like true financial uh, uh concepts so not just kind of chuck some money at some u.s stocks but actually <laughs> here are the principles of learning about how you manage your money 
Yeah, and I think as that literacy or financial literacy increases, the statistics that you've mentioned, that 12 and that 15% will hopefully increase. My fingers are crossed. Me too. Um, where do you think the blockers still are then? I think the blockers are um, definitely from a consumer perspective around awareness. I think that although you might sit on the tube and see loads of different fintech apps, people have kind of become a bit overwhelmed and don't really know what differentiates one from another. So yeah. for the WorldSec founders that I'm speaking to, it's really how do you simplify your proposition, make it easier for people to understand. Um, so there's definitely something around the education point and standing out as a business. Um, I think, therefore, there's also blockers around technology um, for the businesses, making sure that you are launching a leading investing app that isn't um, complicated for the end customer. Um, and what we've seen is that when someone is um, integrating with Seckles API, again, they're leaving us to do the custody trading and execution, and then they can really think about what is that customer journey? Like the way that, because this is a regulated space, you do have to ask for things that people might be nervous about. You yeah. do have to ask for like, mm -hmm their nationality or their national insurance number and you do have to unfortunately do that quite early on in the process so how do you build that customer's trust how do you say that we do have to unfortunately ask for these things but it's for your benefit and this is what you can get through our app and how you can learn through that and yeah go ahead <laughs> no, no not at all I was, I was gonna ask, do you think these blockers are then do you think these blockers are decreasing is what what, what i wanted to ask you i believe so i think that um the founders that I'm speaking to see the clear benefit of um, working with an external custodian as a partner, um, see it as a way to have um, someone on their side that will work with them as they build their proposition, um, even coming to us for advice about what we've seen in the market, about what works from launching a WorldTech app, what doesn't, key lessons learned, um, and just being like a a partner with you along your journey like some of our clients that we work with we we've been with them from day one um as mm. they've selected us as their custodian so penfold chip names that are pretty staple in the uk investing app landscape we've been with them from day one and support them on their journey and it's amazing to see them go and do additional fundraising um celebrate new milestone launch different kind of products as well beyond us so um, it's an exciting space. It is indeed, and as I said, I said as I said, I, <clears throat> I, I think you see it from a, an interesting perspective, given your you know your role at Seco. Um, for for I'm interested in you for like for neo banks, other like B two C fintechs um, <clears throat> that are thinking about launching embedded investment products. Um, <clears throat> what do what do you think the what do you think the key considerations are at the moment with the market where it is? Um, when when well before launching this type of proposition great question i think that the key consideration is really understanding your user personas mm. why would they want to do investing what kind of investing journeys do they want do they really want access to 200 us stocks or do they really want to have a diversified portfolio yeah um invest in a few ETFs over a period of five to 10 years, actually asking those questions and designing your proposition according to that is really important as well. Mm. Um, in this space, it's really easy um, to just 
see what's hot right now and try and copy that. Oh, people are interested in alternative investments or all oh, people are interested in crypto. Let me run and chase what's hot right now. But actually, over time, the core kind of financial principles of kind of um, time in the market rather than timing the market still apply. And the thinking about those things when you're designing your proposition are really important. Um, and yeah, what rappers do they want? Are they thinking about buying their first house? Are they thinking about um, using tax efficient wrappers? Are they thinking about aggregating their pensions? All of those considerations are the things that we're speaking to, to the neobank founders and other founders about when they're designing their proposition to make sure you don't just kind of jump into what your gut instinct is, but you're really <clears throat> understanding um, your customer as well. Do you think uh, on the topic of neobanks, um, do you think that, <clears throat> excuse me, do you think embedded investing will become table stakes for 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 for, for neobanks eventually well we i suppose you hope so given the statistics we've been talking about yes i would really hope so because i think that is what because they now have like even when we speak about neobanks a lot of the bigger neobanks in the uk are now like what five six maybe even seven years old so actually they've got a few million customers now they have the distribution that could be game changing that if all of their customers had access to do investments um, in their app, that would be really exciting. So I think um, I'm excited for not only Sequel's benefit, but for customers benefit for investments to be embedded into different experiences mm. for people to not feel like it's something that is so far away from them, but they have the access to explore um, and that, the company they want to explore with is doing it in their best interest as well not as a kind of get rich quick scheme yeah and i i suppose i'm sure you'd agree here that <clears throat> if they um you know the neo banking demographics or of their user base um we i i would suspect and again i'm not, i don't know if these statistics are true of course but slightly more geared towards more millennials and gen z's they're gonna hope to be having this type of embedded embedded investment product within the, within within their bank banking like infrastructure that they use right yeah i think so and i think um people often talk about like the unbundling of financial services like um let's say um some neobanks might start off focusing on addressing the fx issue and mm. how you might go on holiday and um be charged crazy FX rates when you're spending in euros. And so they focused on that and unbundled that as a service. And then now they're launching kind of buy now, pay later, lending um, facilities, et cetera. So kind of this unbundling and then bundling back other services, I think is quite key. You might see like some neobanks will launch marketplaces. You might see them launch um, investments. I think it's all part of the holistic journey of Everyone wants to kind of become a one-stop shop. I know even at Currency Cloud, you've done a lot of content on like the future of super apps. I think it, it might not just be one app, but I think in this world of competitiveness, you're always thinking about how do you retain your customers? And I think that investments can be a great way to retain your customer base, to engage them and to, it's something that people will continuously want to check in on as well. Mm. I'm I'm keen on your view on um like a slightly different point. I'm keen on your view on so obviously this the first half of this year has been difficult for many ways from for many people in lots of different ways. Um, 
I'm keen on your view, given again your perspective of of where you are in the market. Um, how the first half of this year has changed people's appetites towards the usage of wealth management apps, neo brokers, robo advisors. Do you think it's do you think it's changed at all? I think it has changed. I think that, as you say, at one level, the venture capital investment in this space is declining somewhat. <clears throat> I think that you can't not turn on you can't turn on the TV at the moment and not hear about um, the cost of living crisis, inflation, energy bills. So this will naturally be playing on end investors' minds. But actually, I'm excited by the conversation around investments to turn from get rich quick, mm. um, explore, just throw a couple of hundred pounds into this thing to actually those core financial principles, to thinking about long term investing, to aligning your investments with your financial goals or personal goals as well. Um, and actually, I think there's room for someone to really someone or a few companies to really take the hold of that and reinvent investing from this commission-free mantra to this is another way to be sensible and prudent about your future and actually just as the same way that you would not advise someone to like stop paying into their pension unless they really 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 have to during this period why don't you also set up kind of an investment portfolio alongside your savings in a period like this as well um and i guess you can just say like in a period where things are on the decline, that is also a sale period where things are cheaper than maybe they should be. Mm. I'd love to. I'd love to be able to see um, <clears throat> on your side how the your customers are using the Seckle platform based on what's happening in the market right now. Probably not allowed to look at that, unfortunately. <laughs> but I'd love to see the statistics. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I um, I, I uh, spoke with the co-founder of Perla, an Australian wealth management app. Um, <clears throat> I know you're quite active in the, the millennial investment space and in, in your personal in, in your personal life. I think I, I can't remember the name of the blog. You're going to have to help me here. Um, but he he shared with me that uh, uh, fifty. I think it's 53% or over 50% of his uh, his customer base or their customer base, uh, a female. Um, I think a couple of years ago, I'm not sure if that statistic would be as um, proportionate, I think is the right word. Um, I, I'm keen on your view on, uh, and, and Seckle's view on what, what do you think's brought about this change? That's so great to hear about, Perla. And yeah, I thought so too. Brilliant. Really, really good. Um, <laughs> Unfortunately, that isn't always the case of what I hear from investing apps. Um, I think traditionally, uh, even if you just look at the branding and the messaging and the language that they're using on these investing apps or wealth tech apps that you see mm. on social media or on the tube again, um, a lot of the language can be focused on targeting men. Being where Mellon did a really great report on the inclusive investment globally, and they said that um, three quarters um, of asset managers state that their organization's investment products are primarily aimed at men, which is crazy because it just means that we're propagating this um, this system that um, is designing products for men, is targeting products at men, and then we wonder why there is a gender investment gap. And that same report says that if women invested at the same rate as men globally, there would be 
at least an extra $3.22 trillion wow. of assets under management from private individuals. So the gender investment gap is absolutely huge. Um, I'm, I'm also speaking to a lot of world tech founders at the moment that are trying to address this, whether it's um, uh, gender investment in GIA or ISA, or there's a gender pension gap as well for multiple reasons. Um, and then there's like, yeah, different demographics might have had stero uh, different views on investments and how risky they perceive them. Um, I know certain parts of Europe have some hesitations about investments because of maybe what people's parents or grandparents might have experienced with the stock market there. So being aware of this, um, I think is really important. I think that um, I'm excited by the number of propositions uh, that I'm hearing about that are really hyper-personalised that are thinking about serving particular communities um, and designing journeys based on them. And again, if you're um, plugging into SECL, we're taking care of the back-end technology, you are able to focus on who is my target audience and what do they need to see alongside investments to feel comfortable? Is it that they want some embedded ed tech and they want to learn through a number of courses before they actually do their first investment because that is quite a big deal for them or is it that they actually have maybe have a bit more time to spend five minutes ten minutes every day reading uh before they do something is it that they want more of a community to speak to about these things um i'm really excited about the theme of hyper personalized investment solutions being launched mm. I think communities, and I, again, I, I speak about this on each podcast, like the same word keeps popping up, communities. Um, I, I th do you think that's in, do you think that's going to be a, a trend that's at the forefront of um, wealth tech, wealth management, or in fintech in general, really? Do you think everything is going to be geared towards specific communities? I can imagine that being the case. Um, some people argue, why can't we have solutions that work for everyone? But I think people want different things and they need to be spoken to in different ways based on their comfort levels or yeah their understanding of a space as well so i think i'm excited about that but i think it's only as good as the solutions that you provide mm. if you focus on a particular community but your offering looks exactly the same as a tier one bank or a neobank people aren't going to be that attracted like it's not going to take too long before they're like okay this is just the same thing with some additional bells and whistles. But actually, if you're really thinking about what does this customer care about? Like, do they want to invest in certain charities alongside their investments? Do they want to um, have this data point to understand about their investments? Do they want easier access? Like all of the, those considerations need to be thought about in detail to say that you have a unique enough offering to be based around a certain community, I believe. Yeah, I actually completely agree with you. Um... Mary, uh, we haven't we haven't we haven't uh, we haven't spoken enough about you yet. Um, <laughs> we, I need to I need to ask you more questions about that. Um, so, outside of your role at Seco, um, you're founder of is it, it's now the now we're now you're talking network. Tell, is that right? Tell, tell us a yes. bit more about that. How did that start? Sure. Um, so the now you're talking network is. A community I started on the topic of community, so nice segue there. Um, and <laughs> intended, really, you caught me out. <laughs> and it, for me, it was really just a community that I didn't intentionally start, but um, starting in the working world and uh, speaking to friends and going to events 
um, and noticing, I guess, the lack of women in their early to mid-career stages at events related to tech or financial services or professional services. Um, so it literally started off as a WhatsApp group of like 50 of my friends that I knew worked in the city um, and that were interested in just like talking about their personal and career development. Um, and then people just started pestering me, like, why don't we host events? Why don't we connect with people? And then like, I guess it's like five years on now where almost a thousand women um, on a mailing list and we have regular events. Uh, we partner with a co-working space in Allgate now. So we do in-person events and it's all about bringing women together again, uh, millennial women, whether millennial by age or at heart, um, <laughs> and talking about topics related to personal and career development, like salary negotiation, like personal branding slash uh, confidence in the workplace, um, being a millennial manager and managing a team um, as a millennial, those kind of topics that um, people want to have an environment where they can talk about that with others outside of pe people in their workplace, um, bring their friends along, make new friends. Um, and it's been a really fun venture for me to meet other people, to have interesting topics, talk about topics like investing. We held an event last month about investing and talking about that. And that was really exciting. And you'd be surprised about the idea exchange that can happen between people, even women that work in financial services and their questions about investing um, is, is really, really fun. So for me, it's been a great way to build a community where also we also do workshops and events for other companies as well. Um, and yeah, it's just been fun. And actually one thing that I noticed from that community pretty early on was that 60% of our members um, have a side hustle or have founded a business outside of work as well. So that was a really exciting observation to understand why they've done that, um, what a side hustle could give them that could also be valuable to their day job as well. Um, and yeah, it's been amazing to learn from that community. That's brilliant. Uh, and I hope maybe we get some more signups from our, from our listenership. Um, where, where do you want to take it next? What's the, what's, What's the uh, what's the plan? Great question. Uh, I think I just really enjoy community building. Mm. Um, I don't try and over plan and engineer, um, but I just love to listen to our members and hear what they have to say about what they want to see and always helping people connect with each other. I know that people in the network have even started businesses together, collaborated on projects. Like one, two of our members have even launched a clothing line together that was on ASOS, like it's, we've had amazing success stories. So I'm just excited to help more of those kind of interactions happen and see where the community goes from there. I mean, it sounds like the growth has been very organic and rightly so, and it probably, exactly. well, I'm sure it will continue. Um, so when you, I'm, I'm gonna ask you then, when you have, when you have your, when you had your most recent meetup um, with your thousand people in the room, I'm picturing it now. Um, when they're talking about fintech and wealth tech or investing recently, what um, what was what, what what are you and what everyone most excited about now in the industry? I think it still comes back to the basic things. It comes back to um, people feeling comfortable about where their investments are being held. People feeling comfortable that they have the access to the right learning tools and resources. Um, People feeling comfortable that they can learn alongside their friends and colleagues. Um, I think you don't know what you don't know. And a lot of 
um, the things in this space are come new new fintechs that people might not have heard about or they might just feel even overwhelmed about thinking about their investment journey so with the network it's really just been about providing a safe space for people to have those discussions and actually i've seen that in my wider network as well um people just want to be able to explore to be able to compare different companies um and and almost like unwind maybe some of the fears that they have about money and their emotions towards it um mm. And yeah, again, you'd be surprised like that still applies for people working in financial services or tech. Um, those fears can still be there. So then we talk about the wider general population who might be so far removed from this. Um, how do you build their trust and how does that happen? Mm. Given what we've spoken about today, um, varying topics, um, what, um, what financial technology companies you most excited about now or what's piqued your interest as it were i think every, pretty much everything that we've spoken about today on the podcast um hyper personalization designing yeah. true investment apps or propositions based on a particular community whether that is gender ethnic groups or um uh first time buyers or whatever that is really thinking about the journey that they want and the the way that they want to be spoken to um embedded investments investments meeting people at the point of need um so we spoke about that amazon case study we spoke about investments being used as a way to drive um uh, consumer engagement and interest and loyalty um i've also had some conversations about investments being used as an employee perk um so helping your own employees understand the investment landscape and things like that as well that's really um, interesting how, how how does that i'm interested by that as a concept how how is that working so there's a few companies exploring things around can same way you as an employee can help um well you contribute to an employee's pension can you support them to invest x amount into their iso and offer that as a employee perk and um offer either financial coaching or um access to investment products alongside your offerings as your employee perks as an organization or um what other examples have i seen yes it's kind of thinking about as an employer what is your role in um offering investments and showcasing that to your employees wherever whatever industry you're in for instance if not only like i'm sure tesco employees have pensions um but also if they had access to an investment product and imagine if every time you spent at tesco or your favorite supermarket your club card points could be converted into pounds or pennies that could be contributed to your isa so it's along the same line but lines of the embedded investments journey but thinking again about what can we really do to move the needle around financial inclusion um and access to investments because for some people it might just feel so far away from what they currently do whereas if you bring it to their workplace or where they shop it might just be seen as oh actually this is just an extension of what i'm already doing yeah and it thus becomes far more accessible and less um Oh, and and you can becomes more literate for everyone, right? Exactly. For, for accessibility. Um, Mary, I, unfortunately, I think we've we've run out of time. But thank you very much for joining me today. Um, 
if anyone wants to get in touch with you personally or Seckel or the Now You're Talking Network, what's what's the best way for people to get in touch? Thanks so much, Alex. It's been great to chat. Um, please just reach out to me on LinkedIn. You should see all the relevant links to Seckel and the Now You're Talking Network on there. Um, always happy to have a chat. Um, yeah, generally about the wealth management or DIY investing landscape and kind of millennials and career progression and personal development as well. And how to create the side hustle. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, Mary, I I'll leave you to enjoy your Thursday, but thank you very much for joining me again. I'll catch up soon. Perfect. Thanks, Alex. Cheers. You've been listening to the Payments Innovation Podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe now in iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Until next time.